This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. What's up? What's happening? Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson, and with us again from Pro Football Focus, it's Mike Renner. Mike, what's up, man? Hey, fellas. Great to be back. How you guys doing? Great, man. Not as good as you. Where are you at, you said? Orlando? I mean, Orlando is gorgeous out right now. It's, got, it's about to get a little too hot, actually. I might have to go inside. Yeah, Mike, uh, for those listening and not watching on YouTube, Mike sitting outside at a coffee shop just casually podcasting with us uh, is, is Logan. Logan's also in his daughter's room. I'm the only one who's in my usual yeah. podcast uh, space optimized for podcasting, but that's, that's fine. Uh, so here's, here's what we got today. Uh, Mike has put out a ton of stuff recently, three round mock on pro football focus. Also Logan, I know you were like the mock drafts are cool, but really prospect rankings is where I know your head's at these days. Uh, Mike hit his top 150 the other day. So I say we just dive right in. Uh, let's start with the 150 and Logan, where do you want to take this first? What do you think is the most interesting thing after looking at Mike's rankings? Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of interesting things. I think the thing that stuck out to me was kind of the sequencing of players. You know, um, you had uh, Deontay Banks above Joey Porter Jr. You had um, Anton Harrison above kind of, uh, you know, everyone's kind of third tackle, Broderick Jones. And I thought maybe, you know, for Washington fans who are kind of dialed into those players specifically, could you talk a little bit about why you chose to do that and and what were the distinguishing factors? They're not far apart, but, you know, there's obviously a distinction. Deontay Banks, to me, is one more versatile. Uh, I think you saw that at Maryland. Like, it's almost hard to get a feel for him on tape because they ran so many different coverages. You know, whereas Joey Porter, you can see him just sticking at the line with receivers, enveloping them in press, and then that's, you know, his bread and butter. And they let him play to those strengths. Whereas with Banks, uh, you really have to watch him a little more to see the nuance to his game. And I just see a high, high end athlete. Like, the best at the cornerback position in this draft class, even more so than like Christian Gonzalez, in my opinion, just in terms of pure explosiveness and movement skills and agility and like the traits you want to see from a cornerback. Now, Gonzalez is a little maybe smoother and has a little bit better tape in terms of consistency, but Banks, that is a great starting point, you know, for a cornerback. Whereas Joey Porter is more of a, just by corner standards, probably an average athlete by NFL starters in the league. And so I'm going to lean towards that guy. I'm going to lean towards those traits and what those can be. And just again, the versatility aspect, because, you know, Joey Ford's great in press. I think he's lights out. You're getting a good press corner, but that's such a limited skill set in today's NFL that 
so few teams are doing that. You know, he's probably going to go to a team that wants to do that, but so few teams are doing that. So many teams are moving their corners off, making them read quarterbacks, you know, trying to put caps on these offenses. So I just think Banks is a little bit better in that regard. And then for Anton Harrison, uh, I think he's kind of the the guy who's been forgotten about in this tackle class. To, yeah. to me, he has better feet and better hand usage right now than Paris Johnson, than Broderick Jones. It's just Paris Johnson and Broderick Jones are like these monsters physically. Like Anton Harrison's not that. I don't think he's, you know, has is below like NFL play strength or thresholds in that regard or explosive thresholds, but he's just not a high, high-end athlete. But on the football field, the guy is skilled. And obviously he started for three years compared to one, one and a half years at tackle for those other two guys I mentioned. So, uh, you know, if I want pass protection right away, I think he's one of the better options in this draft class. It's probably Peter Skaronsky and then him in terms of guys I would right. trust year one in pass pro. So. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's something people sleep on with Harrison. It's just he's so he's so skilled. He understands the line. He understands the anchor. And those are qualities that other players don't necessarily have, you know, outs- in terms of guys that can play left tackle. And you mentioned uh, Darnell Wright. Uh, you, or you talked about Darnell Wright in your three-round mock. He's an outstanding football player. He's also got a good feel for pass protection. In your mock, he's the first guy to go off the board. Um, I know a lot of people in Washington are excited about him here. Can you kind of elaborate as to why you felt that way? And um, what do you see on his film? Do you think he can play left tackle, or is he only a right guy? So I think he could, but I don't know why you would want to. I think he's, I think he did start one year at left tackle for Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken. I think and it, was it wasn't great, if I remember correctly. Yeah. It wasn't, yeah. And then they flipped him back to right. And so, you know, when that's the case, usually I'm of the opinion that you you keep a guy, you try to keep a guy in the same spot because, you know, reps matter so much. And basically like, it's not like shooting a basketball left-handed, but it's, you know, like finishing at the rim with your opposite hand. It's just feels weird uh, for a tackle. And it could be a massive learning curve for a guy. So when he's already done it, you know, multi-year starter and his best play was that right tackle. I think you just keep him there. Why I had him the first tackle off the board is more fit. I think to Chicago, mm. if you're a run heavier team, Darnell Wright offers a lot in a you know duo scheme, a scheme that's really going to hit guys right at the line of scrimmage and try to generate movement because he's probably the best, the most explosive. You know, he's three thirty. He's probably got 10, 15 pounds on every other tackle in this draft class, and he's you know just as explosive. So he can really move the line of scrimmage and really anchor in pass pro. And to Chicago. When you have a mobile quarterback, you get bull rush, and you are, your work in the running game is far more valuable, and he's not going to get bull rush too much, and he's obviously going to be a force in the running game. So that's why I had him going there. So a lot of Commanders fans, and I would say myself included here, are in the group of people who are confused at this point about position flex because it is obviously a good thing in that you want guys who can fill multiple spots, but I think the commanders have gone so heavy on position flex guys that it doesn't feel like they have anybody who can actually play one position well. It's like, oh, cool, they're mediocre everywhere. Yay. Who are, who are the guys that you feel really solid about, okay, day one starter at a single position on the offensive line? Like, if, if you're Washington at 16, like, who do you want available out of this top group? Obviously, Skaronsky, it seems very unlikely he will be there. Um, but even he's got some flex, but like, okay, that guy's definitely either a great guard or an excellent tackle day one. Mm-hmm. So you're asking which guys would I plug into one spot along the offensive line? Or So maybe like, let's refine that question a little bit. Like everyone thinks Darnell Wright is going at 16 would probably be too high because he only plays right tackle, but there is okay. value there. 
for guys that are really good at doing one thing. Do you knock guys for that? I don't think I do. No, I, I, I think that's more of an interior offensive line trait, in my opinion, versatility. Because there's I mean, a reason all these tackles are trying to go, are probably going to go high in the drafts because everyone needs them. There's just not 64 quality offensive tackles to go around. Whereas, you know, a lot of tackles can kick inside and play guard. We saw that with Laramie Tunsil. It's like no one would call Laramie Tunsil a guard based on his skill set, but he goes to Miami and plays guard fine because not to say it's easier, but it's it's just you're dealing with less space. It's not necessarily uh, you're not getting challenged and your your loss, your chances of bad, bad losses on the interior costing you is not the way it is on the edge where having to manipulate space is very difficult. So. Uh, I do think the guys who are tackle only, you're not knocking a guy for that whatsoever. So is is 16 too high for a guy like Darnell Wright or another guy that's only a right tackle is Dewan Jones. I heard Chris Collinsworth recently say he thought they left. Like, you know, like is like you know what I'm saying? Is is that too high for that kind of player? I don't think so, um, because from a pure value perspective. Uh, right tackle is as valuable as left tackle. You know, you're you're truthfully mm-hmm. seeing the better rushers at right tackle more often than not. You know, teams know that right tackles around the league are usually lesser than the left tackles. So you're seeing the better rushers. You are the pressure that you you know left tackles leads to sacks more when you get pressure, but right tackle leads to affecting actual passes more. Uh, we've done those studies, and, and so like it's it's kind of like a pick your poison, and at the end of the day. Uh, most offenses, they are similar in value. So if you're a right tackle only, but you're darn good at it, well, you're still, in my opinion, as valuable as a left tackle. On the cornerback front, um, we will uh, we will now reveal to the world that you made uh, a whoopsie uh, in, your, in your mock draft. Uh, you'd say, we were talking before the show, and you're like, oh, I did put Joey Porter at 16. Not, not the guy necessarily that I would put there because I've been saying all the draft process, including on this podcast last time you were on, that that's not necessarily the best fit. So how do you go about ranking these corners knowing that like, okay, for Washington, like Porter's not necessarily a fit, um, even though he's very good at what he does. Banks, you know, could go in the second round. We had him in our mock the other day at 16 in Washington. You just talked about how much you love the guy. So yeah. as you work on something like your rankings and then kind of tr- take that into a mock draft, how do you how do you start layering these corners? Yeah, so I in the mock, I was like, the, the logical guys off the board here are either Devin Witherspoon or, or Joey Porter. Um, and because all the tackles had gone. And I was like, well, Devin Witherspoon's like really a man corner. I, I don't think he's purely a press guy, but he's like really a man skill set. And they just had a man skill set in William Jackson in Washington. And that, that they showed how well that worked out in that defense. And, and so while <laughs> Porter's probably better in a man scheme, he's more just a press corner. And obviously that's still probably not a great fit for Washington. But again, They've made some mistakes in terms of evaluation quarterback position. So it's not the most unrealistic thing. But I, I do think Deontay Banks is a better fit there if we are debating between the two. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
I'm surprised that you say Witherspoon is not a great fit. I feel like so one of the things that I do when I look at corners is I say like how physical are they? How do they tackle? Because I feel like that translates mm-hmm. really well to off coverage because you got to make all these tackles. And one of the things about Porter that I keep kind of that makes me because I like him. He's obviously a big freaky dude, but it makes me a little bit nervous is he's not a great tackler. Deontay Banks is a pretty good tackler. Witherspoon's a good tackler. Like how do you weigh that in the evaluation? Because I I would think that Witherspoon would translate better to an off corner just because he's a better tackler. Yeah, he, he very well may, uh, or definitely an off corner. Yeah, like we're talking off corner. He's a better off corner than Joey Porter. I, I just wanted him to more of a man scheme because he's so darn good at that. And that's like what Illinois did last year. So I, I don't you're really just bi- You're just biased. You're just biased. You're just trying to get him to fit to where you want him to be do well, right? He's your baby at this point. You want him to do well in a man scheme. I get it. That's what I did. I mean, that is what I did. <laughs> I want him to go to, I mean, truthfully, to the Houston Texans because I, I think him and Derek Stingley is just like an awesome combo. That's <laughs> like you, you, you. So what, how I do the mock drafts, how some how the sausage is made is I'm not just picking for everyone. I'm putting a guy where I want right. some guys, some fits I want at the first place, and then backfilling all the other ones. And that was just a fit I really wanted in this draft. So I was going to give you a lot of props because I thought in your mock draft you did an excellent job because you got you know Joey Porter Jr. who to me is like in the same tier as Deontay Banks or Emmanuel Forbes, guys that I like a lot. And then at 48, you gave him uh, Matthew Bergeron, who I think is a guy who can play tackle in the NFL. And then you gave him the safety from Illinois. And I was like, man, you know, Mike's just hooking us up. But now I find out it's just some computer algorithm somewhere doing all the work for us. It's not an algorithm. Come on. You, you, the, I gave you the versatile <laughs> DB down at the end. The, I get, no, I'm saying I love him. Right? I love all the yeah. picks, man. I, like, I was like, man, Mike, like, because he did, he did the Take a Man podcast. He's hooking it up. But apparently, it's just like the computer spit it out, you know? Bertrand was one where I was like that. So I didn't give him tackle round one. I said, you know, the run on tackle is going to go early. That was one where in the second round, I penciled him in there. I'm like, that's one fit. I want to go and want to make happen because <laughs> I think it would make a lot of sense for them. I think you can have like a – I mean, that's where they got Sam Cosme. Uh, I think that's a good spot for a tackle like that where probably has guard versatility if, uh, if you need him to play that. Yeah, and so that's one thing I want to talk about is like it seems like the top of the tackle class is pretty dense and kind of dynamic compared to what it's been the last couple of years where there's always been these guys who are like more can play tackle but are probably guards. You get like, you know, probably six guys that are tackles. But after Matthew Bergeron, it kind of, I don't want to say it falls off a cliff, but that's kind of how it feels, right? So how important is it that they get one of those top guys in this draft? Yeah, that's the problem. And that's why I see him going highly is because the amount of day two tackles I like in this class is like Matthew Bergeron. And then that's it. <laughs> right. you know, no, you know, that, I feel the same way. And then, you know, you have Wanya Morris from Oklahoma is probably going to go day two. You have Carter Warren from Pittsburgh are probably going to go day two just because they have like the body types of tackles. But, but I don't think they are. Not, their film's not bad. Like, uh, like Carter, I think, is interesting. He reminds me a little bit of Morgan Moses, kind of like a longer, taller guy who's got some polish but it's definitely there for him if, if it works out yeah there, there's the you see like the whatever it is that tackle that's just like the length movement skills combo but it's not quite there so that's how i feel about that that kind of second i guess i would say second tier that's like third tier of tackles in yeah. the draft class it's just like i don't want that guy starting right away though or even maybe starting year two. It's just like a guy you get in the fold to hopefully year three, he becomes something. Logan, if they take Bergeron second round, guy who can play tackle, can play guard, like what's their starting offensive line look like next year? Like what, what, how do they shift the pieces around to make that a worthwhile pick? 
Yeah, that's a really good question because I do think Bergeron, like when you watch him, he probably has some guard flexibility. And like in some ways, he fits this identity here in Washington almost better than any of the top-round guys because he does have this kind of guard tackle flexibility. He's a big body, big mover, kind of a run-first guy. Um, so I think he could easily play left guard. You know, I don't think that's ideal, but he probably could, especially because you paid Wiley all that money to play tackle. So it's kind of like, I think I think, I think think Wiley's an excellent guard. I would love to see him at guard. I'd love to see Bergeron at tackle. But if they feel comfortable with that arrangement, I think you feel good with a guy who can kind of say, we need a spot at left guard. He's a big, physical son of a gun who plays football with the right type of mindset, who's going to be nasty, and we can insulate him with a run-first approach. So you go Bergeron at left guard, Leno at left tackle for this year, and then maybe hopefully that gives Chris Paul another year. Right. Hopefully Paul's your left guard next year. Bergeron kicks out the left tackle. That's the, yeah. That's, that's kind of what I would say. Plan. And that and that's and that you know we we were kind of poo pooing position flexibility, but one of the things about it is it lets you kind of plan for the future a little bit better. You get your best five on the field. So for example, if you were to draft Dewan Jones, right? He can only play tackle probably. So yeah. you're then you're moving Wiley into guard. And if you don't love that arrangement, you're kind of accommodating a rookie player. So here the rookie, a younger player, new to the system, a little bit more flexibility, a little bit more gray matter sponginess up there. Like let him kind of figure that out. I think that is probably the way I would go. And that's why a guy like Paris Johnson of the top guys is interesting or Skaronsi because they have played guard. So again, that's where that position flex is, is valuable for a team like Washington. I'm, I'm curious to your thoughts, Logan, on guys who, like, kind of like what I brought up about Laramie Tunsil, like kind of getting a guy's feet wet by playing them at guard if they're not necessarily ready to start at left tackle in the NFL. Is that something that maybe you're teaching them bad habits by starting them at guard or teaching them like a different position is only hurting them? Or do you think it's helping them kind of get acclimated so then they'll be ready once they have to step into left tackle? Well, I think it shows you what type of guy you have. And so what I mean by that is obviously the, the line for a guard is different. The speed is different. The anchor is different. And if a guy can play guard in the NFL, it means they're a tough son of a gun, in my opinion, who, who was playing tackle in college. And I think if you've got a tough son of a gun, I feel good about him playing anywhere, right? Because that's one of the things about Anton Harrison. Like, I love Anton Harrison, but he could not play guard in the NFL. He's just not physical enough right now. And so that's where I kind of say, a year at guard for him, it would be trial trial by fire, but you're going to get a hard, tough, salty dude out of that. And I, I don't think he's physically capable of doing it. But that's why a guy like Matthew Bergeron, Paris Johnson, up Cody Mock, another guy that I think is really interesting there because he's got that toughness and that mindset to kind of be adaptable. And you are teaching them bad habits. But if you've got that flexibility, like I think about some of the best guard, some of the best tackles I played with, like Trent Williams is a little bit cheating. But also the best guard that I played with was Trent Williams. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. he's a freak yeah. and, it, and it helps you see kind of what kind of athlete they are. So I think there's an advantage, but I also think it can be tough and it can burn a guy down if they just physically can't get it done, if that makes sense. Trent Williams hates playing guard. Well, I mean, I would too. It, it's going to cost him financially. So don't play guard, Trent. There was that year. There was that year where they had a billion. I mean, there's so many years where they had a billion injuries. But like that was the talk of like they had Ty and Secchi, and it was like, well, Ty can't play guard. He's too big. Trent's gonna have to play guard. And Trent was basically like, hell no, that six nine dude is gonna get down in that guard stance because I'm not doing that crap anymore. Uh, which you know, I guess it worked out kind of. We used to have Will Montgomery uh, on staff at PFF. Great dude. Okay. Awesome dude. Yeah. He uh, he would tell me stories about. Uh, Trent and he's like he will would be prepping for the guys all week that he was going to go up against with like be having all these notes and Trent wouldn't do a single damn thing and he'd ask him why one time and he's like 
I'm going to make them play my game. <laughs> like, oh, God damn it. I wish I had, I wish I was a physical enough dude to make them play my game. So I've told this story in the podcast before, but I remember we were in training camp. We just come out of a joint practice. I want to say with like Houston or new England, something like that. I'm on the bus and I'm dying. I'm sore. I'm hot. And Trent's just sitting there and you know, we're, we're the same draft year. So we're pretty close. And he's talking to me. And I was like, man, I'm like really stressed out about tomorrow's practice. And he looked at me, he's like, you know what, man, if football was ever hard for me, I'd probably just retire. And like, that was the end of the conversation. I was like, sick. This is, this is good. This is where we want to be right now. Every day I'm fighting for my life and it's easy for you. So anyway, that's an all time quote. <laughs> that is I'm sure so he, he probably, he probably, probably feels differently now, but like the other thing about Trent, I got to say this, I got to defend my guy is, you know, I would study a ton. Will would study a ton, but Trent just had like this natural kind of feel for the game like we'd be in there and i'd be lined up next to me like hey man watch the sam strong safety and i'd look up and i'm like it is sam strong safety you know and so like even though he didn't study a ton he just like had that in the bag so you know not only was he genetically very gifted but he was intellectually very gifted and that's why you're one of the best tackles in the history of the nfl so you know yeah. not a lot of not a lot of those guys in this year's draft but <laughs> when you can get one you should get one yeah or or any other draft he is he's worldwide. Right.